Welcome to another exciting week here on Brit David Podcast, as Pastor Tim brings us a message today entitled, Witches, Ghosts, and the Supernatural, from 1 Samuel chapter 28, verses 3 through 19. As Halloween draws near, people seem to be even more interested in macabre things. Television channels host marathons of horror movies. Evil tends to be on display and people are drawn towards those things that deal with the occult, even Christians. It is a magnetic draw, but it is a maze without an exit. The Bible provides us with a warning to stay away from such things, and surprisingly, we find a passage in 1 Samuel chapter 28 that deals with witches, ghosts, and the supernatural. Here's Pastor Tim. Amen. You can be seated. That is good, good stuff right there, isn't it? Halloween and Ark in the Park are only two days away. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Whereas others, however, may look at that day and say that's Satan's holiday, we look at that day and say it's the most evangelistic opportunity that we have all year long. It's incredible, the people that God will bring to us. Our culture, however, is consumed with all things supernatural. They, they are consumed with zombies and werewolves and vampires and ghouls and goblins and witches and those ten kinds of things. We as Christians, however, tend to react to those things in kind of extreme measures. There's some of us that look at that and say, oh, there's nothing to any of that, so I'm just not going to worry about that. There are others, however, who will find themselves dabbling in that, uh, into occultic matters, and uh, really which they should have no part in. It may surprise you, however, to discover that the Bible does include this very bizarre story that we will look at today that involves witches and ghosts and seances and the like. But I want you to know this. There are many that have come to this passage in 1 Samuel chapter 28, and especially those that are in Wicca or a part of that movement, and have said, see, it's okay for Christians to be involved in these kinds of things. This chapter is presented in 1 Samuel that they and that you may be warned that we are to stay away from such powers. I'm not going to tell you today that there is no such thing as demonic power. I'm not going to tell you that there's no such thing as demons. I will tell you today that despite what you may watch on television and movies during this time of year, the Bible has... No reason for you to believe in ghosts. No reason for you to believe in a poltergeist or any of those kinds of things. But I think even though you look at this passage today and some will jump to those conclusions, you'll see exactly what they were dealing with then is the very same thing that we deal with today. All right, if you're there... Second Samuel chapter, or First Samuel, sorry, First Samuel chapter twenty-eight. 
beginning in verse number 3. I know you're ready for the story now, aren't you? It says, Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. All right, stop there for just a moment. Last Sunday, I showed amazing restraint. You have no idea the number of jokes last week that I repressed. Especially last Sunday night. I mean, last Sunday night was like a softball, you know? Why... Why, what, what was Boaz like before he got married? He was ruthless. See, I didn't even say any of that last week. I just can't seem to help myself today. What's the difference between a palm reader and presidential candidate Chris Christie? One's a medium, one's an extra large. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I apologize to him and to anybody else. I could have easily used myself. (laughs) But that's funny right there. I don't care who you are. (laughs) All right, let's get back to the good stuff. All right. The end of verse number three. Saul had put the mediums and the spiritists out of land. You're never going to read that the same, by the way, ever again. Verse four. Then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together, and they encamped at Gilboa. Now Saul saw the army of the Philistines, and he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams, or by Urim, or by the prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Find me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her." Depending on the translation that you're reading, it may say, your translation may say, find me a woman who is a witch. All right? And we'll get to that in a little bit. It says, his servant said to him, in fact, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes, and he went and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night, and he said, Please conduct a seance for me, and bring up for me the one I shall name to you. And the woman said to him, Look, you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the spiritists from the land. Why then do you lay a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives... No punishment shall come upon you for this thing. The woman said, Whom then shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice, and the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. So he said to her, what is his form? And she said, he is an old man coming up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed down. Now Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am deeply deeply distressed, 
For the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me and does not answer me anymore, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called you, that you may reveal to me what I should do. Then Samuel said, So why do you ask me, seeing the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy? And the Lord has done for himself as he spoke by me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord nor execute his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with you into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also deliver the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Wow. It's maybe not what you expected to read, is it? But let this passage serve as a warning to those, especially Christians who are here, who think it is okay to fiddle around with the occult, who like Saul will hide in the shadows to, to still see what might, might really be there or what might really be out there. Let me use this passage today to give you five don't be warnings. All right? I'll give you five don't be warnings that stem directly from this text. Here they are. Number one, don't be disconnected from God. Don't be disconnected from God. Saul is a picture of what it looks like to be disconnected from the Lord. By all appearances, Saul, on the outside, is the ideal man, the ideal church man, even. The Bible says, in, uh, in chapter number 9, it says, the Bible says, he is a choice and handsome young man. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. We associate those kinds of things with being right with God. That he has God's favor because he's pretty. He has God's favor because he's tall. He has God's favor because he is magnetic. He draws people to himself. Therefore, he must be okay. They place their faith in something that is not biblical. Is not God-like. God says, you're looking at the outside. The Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Inside, in his heart, Saul is absolutely disconnected from God. He had rejected God and yet tried to keep those religious practices. He's playing a game. He's going through things and thinking that, that he is not answerable to God or to anybody else. If, if, if there is a sacrifice that needs to be made, well, don't tell him he can't do it. He's going to do it. He can't, he can't wait on Samuel to get there. I'll just offer this burnt offering all by myself. If there's an altar that needs to be built, if there's a battle that needs to go into, don't bother him with what God might say to him or require of him he thinks he knows best. 
That's the kind of person that Saul is. But when he gets desperate, Saul comes looking for answers from God. You know anybody like that? They want to live life according to their own rules. They want to do whatever it is that they want to do. But when push comes to shove, they do want to know that they have God's blessing. And so Saul has done some of the right things. When we read in verse number 3 that he has put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land, he's done exactly really what he should do. Listen to this passage. This comes out of Deuteronomy chapter number 18. He says, There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, King James says witch, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. Saul thinks that he is doing God a favor. That he is doing God's work because he's put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. As long as he seems to be on track with what God would have, he feels like he's okay. But his own personal walk with God, the Bible says that he has been rejected. That God has refused him. And here comes Saul asking God about what he should do about the Philistines that have now gathered up against him and are threatening him. Now Saul thinks it is completely unfair, just like some of you do. It is completely unfair. I have asked God what I should do in this situation and God hasn't told me anything. You know why Saul didn't hear from God? For the very same reason that many of you don't hear from God. The Bible says your sins have separated you from your God so that even your prayers He will not hear. Our sins are serious business. They're serious business before God. And God says, those sins make me your enemy. Not your friend. No matter how you play his game, no matter how you try to fill in all the blanks, no matter how it is that you try to do good, thinking that you are doing God a favor with your life, if you are disconnected with God, it is your sins that have gotten in the way. So what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to repent. He is willing to forgive you. He is willing to cleanse you. To reconnect you, if you will. That's not what Saul does. What are the two things that is motivating Saul? To seek out a witch. To seek out some other way to hear from God. There are two of them. In verse number 5 it tells you plainly. He was sorely afraid and greatly trembled. It is fear. Fear has not driven him towards God. Fear has driven him away from God to try to find answers somewhere else. There's a second motivating factor for him, and it's in verse 6. 
It's failure. It's failure. He's tried to hear from God. He's tried the Urim, which is a set of gemstones that, I hate to use this analogy, but it's kind of like a magic eight ball, you know. And, uh, and, And he said, I tried that. And it didn't work. I I tried to pay attention to my dreams. And that didn't work. I tried to go to the prophets. And that didn't work. So let me go outside of any means that God has ever used to speak to a person. And maybe He'll speak to me. It is fear and it is failure that are the fruits of his disconnection from God, it will be yours and will not drive you to him. It will drive you away from him. So what are you supposed to do? Confess your sins, repent of those things, and maintain a daily, obedient, intimate relationship with God. Listen, maybe if you don't get anything else out of this today, get this. You can be as close to God as you want to be. You can't be. He's the one who promised, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. If you would draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. If you are disconnected from God, it is not His fault. It is yours. So don't be. Don't be disconnected from God. Number two, don't be desperate for gain. Don't be desperate for games, be for gain. Beware of those times when you are in such a hurry. You think that you have to decide or you have to act right now. You don't, you don't have time to wait on God. You don't have time to read His Word. You don't have time to spend with Him. You know that you've got to get out there and you've got to do. There certainly are those times when you've prayed about a matter and God has yet to answer you, you've yet to hear from Him. And we tend to think that that's His fault, that He's late. It's my fault. I'm not on His timetable. And here comes the problem. Those times of delay cause compromise in my life. I will compromise in areas that at one time I thought would have been shameful. And I find myself not only disconnected from God, but far, far away from God. Living a backslidden life and desperate to get out of this life anything I can get. What is Saul desperate for? He's desperate for victory. The Philistine army is waiting on him. And he knows that he and his army are not fit for this battle. That's why he's afraid. And he's desperate. He wants God to intervene. He wants God to do something. But when he doesn't hear from God, it doesn't take his desperation away. Listen, here's the issue. Saul is more interested in having his prayer answered than he is in communicating with the one who can answer it. 
He's more interested in what he gets out of this than what he gets in his relationship with God. He is absolutely willing to sacrifice God at his own altar in order that he might have his own way. What would you give up to have your way? What is it that you're so desperate for that come hell or high water, you're going to forge ahead? Come answers or no answers, you're still going to act. Now initially, at that point, I, I think most folks, when they get, begin to get away from the Lord, and they start those times of compromise in their life, there's still enough in them to know right and wrong that when they choose wrong, it is shameful to them. They still feel bad about it. Saul does. Saul doesn't just say, I'm the king. I can do whatever I want to do. If God ain't going to answer me, then I'm going to go find me a witch. What's he do? The Bible says that he disguises himself. He dresses up as if he is somebody else. If he were the king, he could just say, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to make an exception and I'm going to go. <laughs> but he's willing to put somebody else in a dangerous and a precarious position so that that witch even asks, why are you trying to trap me? Don't, don't, you, don't you know what will happen to me if I try to help you? He doesn't care what's going to happen to her, does he? I mean, she didn't know he's the king. He just has to have his own way. You may not care who you hurt along the way. As long as you get what you want. You may end up doing something, anything really, to get it if you don't have biblically convictional boundaries in your life. There won't be anything to stop you from doing whatever it is that you want to do. Saul may have said at some time in his life, I will never put stock in a witch or a seance. Those things are fake and I don't have, I don't have anything to do with that. And yet shockingly, here he is. Asking a witch to conduct a seance for him. You may say today, I'll never do such and such. Be careful. That may be the very thing Satan gets to trap you. You say, yeah, but that didn't happen to real Christians. It happened to Peter. Lord, I will never deny you. Jesus said when the ro before the rooster even crows, you're going to deny, deny me three times that you even know me. You know, this whole exchange between the disguised king and this witch, it's odd, isn't it? I mean, not only odd that he dresses up and he goes to her, but that he says, I, listen, I want you to do something for me. And she says, well, you know what the king said. You know, you're going you're gonna to put me in danger. And this stranger from out of nowhere says to her, I promise you, nothing's going to happen to you. Well, if he's not the king, who's he to make such a statement, right? 
What's she saying? Well, okay. Who, who you want me to get? Listen, it tells me this. Saul is not the only one who's desperate for gain. She is too. She's not afraid of King Saul. And she is not afraid of some edict or some law that he's passed that has put them out of the land. So what does she say? As if she's biting her little crooked fingernails. What, why would you do this to me? Why, why would you put me in such danger? You know that there's a law against this now. Why is she saying that? She is driving up the price, isn't she? She is as desperate as Saul is. She doesn't have an insight into the other side. She doesn't have knowledge that somebody else doesn't have. She doesn't have powers that Saul gives her credit for. She has been for her entire life up to this point a fake and a charlatan and somebody who's just simply trying to get by and take more coin from those suckers that will come to her and get anything that she wants from them. She sees Saul even disguised as a chump. And she's going to get him. That's what you have going on in this story. Desperation leads to deception. Now, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself in this message today. But the Bible says, now the Spirit expressly or explicitly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to the doctrines of demons and to deceiving spirits. It is our soulishness, that sensual part of our nature that tends to draw me away from God. And when I am more desperate for achievement than I am in my relationship with God, that allurement is going to draw me. Pastor Tim invites you to join us tomorrow for the conclusion of his message, Witches, Ghosts, and the Supernatural. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.